Dark Cast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. Welcome to Ford in Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other. I'm Ford and I am not joined uh, by Vegas this week here on the podcast. He's got some personal stuff going on. So I figured, well, you know what? I'll step up to the plate. I'll be the hero and I'll do a show uh, by myself this week. So uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit the uh, subscribe button if you're listening uh, on the podcast. Also, you can get this podcast ad-free. Patreon.com forward slash Ford in Vegas. $3 a month gets it ad-free. You can follow us on Twitter at Ford in Vegas. We are a proud member of the Darkcast Network, the best indie true crime podcast network on God's green earth. And you could buy a Ford in Vegas shirt at shopfordandvegas.com. So I, I have, you know, how I put these shows together and how I figure out uh, what we're going to talk about on the show is I Google the word murder and I click on news. And that's pretty much how I figure this out. And I try to grab the best, uh, most intriguing the state of stories, lost um, bizarre stories, head scratchers. Um, and that's basically how I, I put this thing together. It's, you know, real simple in that regard. But, but tonight, what if those daydreams I Googled turn murder to nightmares and I clicked on the Reverie, news tab. True crime. Shines on, a light uh, on the dark com. tragedies sure that have heard happened and are continuing and to happen I am all throughout the world. A we lot about and the Alex families to bring Murdoch to forms trial of right now. We and one of the things the was this cases uh, from Netflix the world. documentary. I don't know if, if, if you know it's out, but it's out. And... So far, there's three episodes, persons, and mysteries, I was able to get more. through the first two Reverie before I, I was going to record this episode. Remember, you don't have to live I gotta in fear, say, man, but stay aware of the, your surroundings. Um, stay safe and take care. The first episode is titled, uh, Where's Mallory? And it covers... The boat accident Reverie, the that we've talked about on this show. Lost it covers the boat thoughts. accident from 2019. But what if those daydreams Paul turn to Murdoch was drunk with Reverie, his friends. There was a boat crash, and one of the, the uh, one of his friends on that, that boat um, died. To and I didn't really the know the whole 
we story and work with families uh, because I was not following the Murdochs in 2019. We explore the depths so of cases they really from around break the world it down to include missing persons, and the kids, the friends are there, and more. Uh, the friends are on this. True crime um, is three girls, Mallory, Miley, remember, you don't have to Morgan, live in fear, but stay aware I believe the three girls, the three, three M's. Stay safe and take care. And... I watched this first episode, and at the end of this episode, I can't help but think, man, it is Paul Murdoch got what he deserved. And he had it coming. We are firm eye for an eye believers on Ford and Vegas. And I watched this first episode and I couldn't help but think that Paul Murdoch got what he deserved. Just plain and simple. He had every moment that night in 2019 to do the right thing. He didn't. He continued to drive the boat, got into an argument with one of the M's that he was dating. I, I believe they were broken up at the time, but they were at one point dating. Called her a whore. He spit on her. He smacked her. Um, they didn't want him to drive the boat. He was drunk. They wanted Connor, a friend, uh, to drive the boat. Paul refused, and before you know it, they hit that bridge, and Mallory's gone, and it's days upon days upon days. He disappears into the water, and eventually a search and rescue, they find her. She's obviously dead. She drowned, blunt force, uh, blunt force trauma to the head, which subsequently leads to the drowning. And they really break down this incident because most of us in, in 2019, don't, we've never heard of this. We don't even hear about this. This isn't even on our radar. This is not a national story in 2019. It's very much South Kakalaki based. So hearing the story and, and seeing these kids talk about that night and you hear about the kind of person that Paul would turn into when he was drinking and you just know that he is the textbook a definition of um, a kid who can do what he wants with no repercussions. And um, because he's white, we have to call it white privilege, but it's, it's not always the fact that he's white. Um, but uh, in this instance, he is, he is white. And so it's white privilege. But trust me, um, you know, people of all races get to experience things that they can get out of trouble if... They come from 
their parents have stroke and all that. So it's not necessarily a white thing. But um, Paul comes from money and he comes from money on the law enforcement side. So you could you could tell that Paul was a kid who acted like he didn't have to worry about facing any kind of, of repercussions. And you learn that night of the crash, Alex and his father show up to the hospital and their main objective is to get all of the kids to shut up and not talk and make Connor Cook out to be the driver of the boat. We know he was not the driver of the boat and, and, and physics and the way Connor gets injured in that crash tell you that he was not the driver of the boat. So Paul was going to go down for this. He was going down. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Paul was going to go down for that boating accident if it not been for his father killing him in 2021. He probably would be on trial right now, and that would be the headline in South Carolina. So you watch episode one and, and you can't help but think that Paul got what he got and um, he got what he deserved, really. I mean, there's really <laughs> there, there's really no other way to say it. He got what he deserved because that kid, his friend, Mallory, should still be alive today. So they actually show footage of the dock area where they're the girl, like the kids are walking to get on the boat and you see the girl Mallory who, you know, was alive. And it really is just like, wow. You know, you see this girl and an hour later, this girl is dead. Yeah. It's one of those things. You understand? So, uh, episode two also is covering the Paul crash. And episode two um, also gets into the Paul and Maggie murders, which is where we are, you know, now. And it also begins to discuss uh, episode three. I started it just the first few minutes, and it's covering the housekeeper, which, if you may recall, dies mysteriously at the Murdoch residence. So it, it's nothing but death. 
around this family. Death and and crimes. They have not discussed the uh, Alex Murdoch's um, financial issues yet. I was trying to find out here how many episodes there were, but I'm having a hard time finding that answer. Because when you click on episodes on Netflix, it only shows the three. It does not show how many there are. At least I didn't see it. So I know of at least three that are out right now that you can watch. So the trial is going on right now as you may know it's in the fifth week and there are conflicting reports as to whether or not Alex is going to take the stand (laughs) Uh, and discuss his, his own defense here reports in the local media citing multiple sources claim that Murdoch will take the stand tomorrow Thursday at the Colton County Courthouse in Walter Borough. Other reporting states that Murdoch's defense team is still in discussions with him and that the decision that will come late tonight or early in the morning. In dramatic testimony, Murdoch's former law firm partner at PMPED, Mark Ball, described a chaotic crime scene on both the night of the murders and the next day with evidence left out in the elements, or left behind altogether. Mr. Ball, a witness for the defense, also insisted he has no doubt that the disgraced attorney was at the scene of the killings by identifying the voice of his friend of 34 years in a video shot by Paul moments before he and his mother were brutally murdered. The defense is attempting to fight back against a trove of circumstantial evidence from the prosecution, including cell phone and card data, the damning, the damning video, and apparent holes in Murdoch's alibi. So, if this guy takes the stand tomorrow, Thursday, what's the date tomorrow? February 23. I mean, this is this is this is our make this is make or break stuff. Will Alex Murdoch testify at his murder trial? It sounded like it will happen. Murdoch's bombshell trial for the killings of his wife Maggie and Paul's son's uh, son draws near a close. One crucial question: Will he testify? Over nearly five weeks of trial, jurors have heard from nearly 70 witnesses, including law enforcement officials who responded to the fatal shootings in the Murdoch's Islandton hunting estate on 7 of June, 2021. And relatives, longtime friends, and house staff of the family. Now with the defense prepared to wrap its case on Friday, all eyes are on Mr. Murdoch more than ever. Late Wednesday afternoon, local news outlet WCBD reported that the disgraced legal scion will make the risky move of taking the stand for his own defense. 
Riley Benson, an anchor, an anchor for WCB2 News 2, reports that defendant Alex Murdoch will take the stand tomorrow to speak his own defense. Buckle up. It's going to resume tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. For those of us on the West Coast, that is 6.30 in the morning. It is crazy to think that Alex Murdoch is going to take the stand tomorrow. I mean, this is chaos. (laughs) Absolute chaos. They broke down what happened today in this trial some highlights from Wednesday's proceedings at 9.06 p.m. after the final orientation change of Maggie's phone two seconds later comes the call for Murdoch at 9.06.52 p.m. his SUV starts its journey from Moselle to Almeida Eight seconds later, the screen goes on for another 24 minutes. This is an entire breakdown of what transpired today. I highly recommend the Netflix documentary as it stands right now. If you want to learn about the complete picture of the Murdochs, the family history, how they got to where they're at. It is a fascinating watch. But unfortunately, the Murdochs, Alex is not the only guy killing people. A slain uh, New Jersey teacher's estranged husband charged in her murder as a second suspect is still on the run. Cesar Santana was extradited from Florida to New Jersey in the killing of Luz Hernandez. Cesar Santana is 36. He was arrested at a Miami hotel on February 10, three days after Hernandez's body was found at a shallow grave in Kearney, New Jersey. Prosecutors upgraded the charges against Santana to include first-degree murder as well as hindering, tampering with physical evidence, and failing to dispose of human remains in a matter in a manner prescribed by law. Meanwhile, Santana's alleged accomplice, 26-year-old Liner Miranda Lopez, is still on the run. Anyone with information about the where of his whereabouts is to contact the Hudson County Prosecutor's Office, 201-915-1345. Law enforcement and prosecutors deal with Santana and hunt down Lopez. The community mourned Hernandez's death. The mom of three was a teacher at Beloved Charter School in Jersey City, was held a candlelight vigil where her colleagues and students grieved the loss of their friend and teacher. Hernandez died of blunt force trauma to the head and compressions to the neck 
according to prosecutors, citing preliminary autopsy findings. The motive for her death remains unknown. She was buried at Bellevue Cemetery last week. Law enforcement identified Santana and Lopez as suspects following a series of events that started with a February 5 traffic stop in Kearney, New Jersey. Some of you guys may remember Kearney, New Jersey, because they used to film Sopranos there sometimes. They were allegedly driving an unregistered car, which was impounded by Kearney police. The court-authorized search of the vehicle was executed on Tuesday, February 7th, and additional evidence was recovered, said prosecutors. The Kearney Police Department, knowing details of the traffic stop, led the homicide unit to the area of Central Avenue and 3rd Street in Kearney, where investigators ultimately located what appeared to be a shallow grave. The body of a female who was later identified as Luz Hernandez, 33, of Jersey City, was recovered a short time later, and she was pronounced dead at the scene at 4.53 p.m. Police also found blood uh, blood splatters on the door of her apartment, according to NJ.com. Santana is being held at the Hudson County Correctional Facility. Lopez was charged with desecrating, concealing human remains. But those charges can and most likely will be upgraded. So they find this woman based off of a traffic stop. And now we're off to the races trying to figure out where this accomplice is. Unbelievable. It, it, it blows my mind, the frame of mind, um, that people are in to do the things that they do. The housekeeper's husband has officially been charged in the murder of L.A. Auxiliary Bishop O'Connell over some money, apparently, that was owed. If you kill the man who owes you money, you will never get that money back. Understood? Catholics around Los Angeles and the nation start the holy season of Lent. Let us reflect on Bishop O'Connell's life of service and dedication to those in greatest need of our care, said the district attorney. Charging Mr. Medina will never repair the tremendous harm that was caused by his callous act, but it does take us one step closer to accountability. Carlos Medina is the suspect in the murder of Los Angeles Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell, was arraigned in state court today and formally charged with one count of murder and a special allegation that he personally used the firearm. This was a brutal act of violence against a person who dedicated his life to making our neighborhood safer, healthier, and who always served with love and compassion, said the District Attorney George Gascon. As uh, the new Bishop O'Connell's death shocked the nation and rocked the local and international Catholic community. Bishop O'Connell was found dead with at least one gunshot wound to his upper body on February 18 in his bedroom at his Hacienda Heights home. After an around-the-clock manhunt for the killer, sheriff's deputies were tipped about a person of interest 
in the city of Torrance, which is almost a 45-minute drive southwest from Hacienda Heights, where Bishop O'Connell was found dead. Detectives have identified the person of interest as Medina, the husband of O'Connell's housekeeper on Sunday evening, after the tipster told them that Medina was exhibiting strange and irrational behavior and had made comments about the bishop owing him money. Police had also discovered video evidence of a dark-colored compact SUV that had pulled up into the bishop's driveway, stayed for a short time, and then left. Medina drove a similar-type vehicle. On Monday morning at about 2 a.m. local time, sheriff deputies arrived at Medina's home after being tipped off that he arrived at his residence. With a warrant in hand for his arrest, sheriff's deputies called for Medina 61 to surrender, but he refused to come out of his residence because that's what innocent people do. They refuse to comply. The Sheriff's Department Special Enforcement uh, Bureau personnel arrived at the scene with an amended warrant to search Medina's home and arrest him. Medina exited his home and surrendered to authorities at about 8.15 a.m. local time without further incident. Two firearms and other evidence possibly incriminating Medina were found at his residence in Torrance during his arrest at approximately 8.15 a.m. on Monday. Those firearms will be examined and tested in a criminal lab to determine if they were used in the murder. Offering remarks at Monday's conference, uh, press conference, Los Angeles Archbishop Jose Gomez broke into tears and struggled to complete his brief comments on Bishop O'Connell. Out of his love for God, he served the city for more than 40 years. Everybody he worked to show, uh, sorry, every day he worked to show compassion to the poor, to the homeless, to the immigrant, and to all those living on society's margins. He was a good priest and a good bishop and a man of peace, and we are very sad to lose him. Fortunately, they know who did it, and that was Mr. Carlos Medina. We always like to, on Ford in Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages, with two friends who hate each other. By the way, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. But we always like to end our shows with a happy note. And you can't get a, a much happier note in the true crime world than a solved cold case, right? Like you can't get any happier. A cold case that goes cold for years and years and years and years and years. And then we finally get a resolution for the families, for the neighborhoods, for the communities. Nothing's better than a solved cold case. And a discarded cigarette butt and DNA tests solve a 52-year-old murder of a Vermont woman. That's right. A discarded cigarette found near the body of a 24-year-old Vermont school teacher in her apartment nearly 52 years ago helped to lead investigators to an upstairs neighbor who they say strangled her after having a fight with his wife. Burlington police DNA evidence collected from the cigarette butt 
and dogged investigative work led authorities to the man they say killed Rita Karan within a 70-minute window on a July night in 1971. The suspect identified as William DeRoos, who was 31 at the time, had left his apartment that night for a cool-down walk. After he returned, he told his wife of two weeks not to say that he had been out. Since the investigation was renewed in 2019, detectives re-interviewed DeRoos' former wife, and she told them that he had left her apartment for a brief period within a window of time when Karan's roommates were out of her Burlington apartment. We are all confident that William DeRoos is responsible for the aggravated murder of Rita Karan, but because he died in a hotel room of a drug overdose, he will not be held accountable for his actions. But this case will be closed. After Karan's death, DeRoos, who was known to some as a guru, moved to Thailand and became a monk, but he later returned to the United States, and in 1986, DeRoos died of a drug overdose in San Francisco. This guy's been dead since 86. Karan's parents died without learning who had killed their daughter, but the victim's brother and sister attended the event held at Burlington Police Headquarters. I don't think so much about the guy who did this as I do about Rita. My parents and what they went through, Karan's brother Tom, said during the event, I pray to Rita and I pray to my parents. In the early morning hours of July 20, 1971, Burlington police were called to the Brooks Avenue apartment after Karan's uh, roommate arrived home to find her body in their shared bedroom. Police say Karan uh, resisted fiercely, but she was strangled. The murder shook Burlington. The case remained open and investigators never let it go, but in 2019, Tribe and a team of detectives, officers, technicians, and others began working the case as though it had just happened. A key piece of the evidence was a cigarette butt that had been found near Karan's body. In 2014, previous investigators had sent the butt and other evidence off for DNA analysis. The test did compile a DNA profile of whoever had smoked the cigarette, but it did not match any sample in DNA databases compiled by law enforcement. The detectives who picked up the case in 2019 contracted with a DNA testing company and the samples were compared with genetic material submitted to DNA testing companies by members of the public. Late, uh, sorry, last August, Burlington detectives were told the sample, which had been traced through relatives on both sides of DeRoos' family, was pointing at DeRoos, even though he had no DNA profile on record. Detectives then determined DeRoos and his wife, Michelle, had been living upstairs at the time of Karan's death. They had spoken with investigators after Karan's death, but at the time they said they had not seen or heard anything. DeRoos and his wife, with uh, who no longer uses the name DeRoos, left Vermont shortly after Karan's death. Their marriage ended after DeRoos went to Thailand. DeRoos married again after moving back to the United States. In a recent interview, DeRoos' ex-wife, who lived with him in Burlington, now lives in Eugene, Oregon, 
told investigators that she had lied about her husband leaving their apartment that night. Burlington detectives later interviewed a subsequent wife who told them DeRuse had penchant, who had a penchant for sudden outbursts of violence. Detective Thomas Chinette, who interviewed DeRuse's first ex-wife, said Tuesday he didn't he didn't believe that she knew that he had killed Coran, but was protecting him because he had a criminal record. I think she lied at the time because she was young. She was naive. She was newly married. She was in love. Now retired U.S. Senate, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, Lee, 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 was the Chitten, Chittenden County State's attorney when Coran was killed and went to the crime scene that night, attended the Tuesday event, asked if he felt the case would ever be solved. He said that he had hoped that it would one day. I must admit, after 20 and 30 and 40 years, I figured it never would. It was a terrible thing, he said. So a nearly 52-year uh, case, cold case there, solved in Vermont with the help of a cigarette butt. That is why I stopped smoking. Just in case you never know. You never know where you flick that butt, what might be happening later down the road when that cigarette butt is found. Sorry about the clanking of the chair there. I was moving as Vegas's chair. He's not even here. He doesn't need a chair. It's in my way. It's crowding my space. So again, uh, highly recommend the Murdoch Murders on Netflix. The first three episodes are up there for you to watch right now. I'm going to go watch the third one. And tomorrow, Thursday, February 23, the big day, Alex Murdoch going to get on the stand. He is going, <laughs> this guy, the balls on this guy. I'm still thinking if anybody thinks he's innocent. Uh, truthfully, honestly. I, I, I'm wondering. Is there anybody? And uh, if so, how, why? It's impossible. It's literally impossible. There, there isn't any doubt that he killed Paul, who, by the way, I think deserved it, to be honest with you. And you watch those first couple episodes you will come to that same conclusion, I feel. Yes, absolutely. Paul Murdoch deserved to get whacked. Maybe not by his old man, but he deserved to get whacked. My jury is out on the wife. Because I don't know Right now, if the wife deserved it or if she was just in a situation where she was trying to protect her kids. I have no feelings on Maggie 
yet. Alex, you know that I noticed in the documentary, some people call him Alex. Some people call him Alec. Like his name ends with a C. He's Alex Murdoch to me. And he deserves the chair for killing his wife and his son. Even though I think his son deserved it. So that that weird, that weird, you know, he killed that poor girl in 2019 in the boating accident. He killed that poor girl. He deserves to die. But now his dad also deserves to die for killing him. It's kind of that weird area, isn't it? That weird gray-ish eye for an eye area. But fucking kill them all. Kill them all. Get Buster too while we're at it. He seems like a real jerk off himself. You learn in the documentary that he was kicked out of college for plagiarism. But you also learn in the documentary that he was like the golden child. He wanted to be just like the rest of the family. The father, the grandfather, the great-grandfather, the great-great-grandfather. He was going to follow in that lineage. Probably until they kicked out of college for plagiarism. But yeah, absolutely. Paul Murdoch deserved it. I'll let you know if Maggie deserved it. I don't know yet. And Alex deserves to to get one as well. For all the shit that he's done. It'll be interesting if the documentary covers any of the financial stuff. But in these first couple of episodes you learn that for a very long time in South Carolina, the Murdochs were above the law. There was the law here, and then the Murdochs were way up here. And if something happened, kind of like fucking with the Clintons, something happened, you kind of went away. And there's five or six dead bodies somehow surrounding the Murdochs. That's not a coincidence. These things just don't happen. There's reasons, there's motives. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Six dead bodies around the Murdochs probably means that the Murdochs are involved. So I highly recommend that documentary. Like I said, I'm going to watch the third episode when I'm done with this. And I will report back. And I probably will do a special show when... The verdict comes, which it feels like we're getting closer and we're getting closer. Uh, Hit the subscribe button and don't forget you can get this podcast ad free 
for just $3 a month, patreon.com forward slash Ford in Vegas. Follow the show on Twitter at Ford in Vegas. You could buy a shirt, shop fordinvegas.com. We are a proud member of the Darkcast Network, the best indie true crime podcast network on God's green earth. For Vegas, who's not here, I'm Ford. We'll see you guys next time right here on Ford in Vegas, a true crime podcast for the ages with two friends who hate each other. Fuck you, Vegas. Fuck you for not being here, dick. <laughs>